What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. Do we want to compare bylines? How many? Barry Horn. We're supposed to keep this thing moving, be fresh. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about Mavericks. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. All right, uh, joining us now on our Mavericks podcast is somebody who um, worked at the Dallas Morning News before I did and after I did uh, and has moved on to much greater things now, uh, although you wouldn't think there'd be such greater things than Sports Day, but the, there, there might be. Uh, Mitch Lawrence, our old pal. How Mitch? Hey, Mitch, how's it going? Kevin, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I'm just here in the studio by myself. There's no Evan. Evan's at spring training, and, and yeah. Barry is, you know, he just comes and goes as he pleases, uh, and so we're, we're not really even sure where he is. Well, the rumor I got was Horn was at lunch, so that would tie <laughs> him up for a couple hours. <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. All right, the last time we talked to you, we, you told us that what this Mavericks team needed to do was to dump the roster, get rid of everybody, and start all over again. They didn't exactly do that, but they did get Nerlens Noel from Philadelphia for Andrew Bogut, Justin Anderson, what will probably be a couple of second-round draft picks and some jocks and socks. So uh, how did you feel about that deal? Oh, I thought it was a good deal for Dallas. I really did. I mean, people in Philadelphia are screaming. They felt like they gave up Moses Malone and got back, you know, these two number two picks and Justin Anderson. You know, Nerlens Noel has been a project. First of all, he's been hurt came in hurt when uh, Philadelphia got him. And now the player that Dallas got is a lot better in terms of his shooting than he even was, you know, at Kentucky. I mean, he's not, look, he's not a good offensive player still. But Brett Brown talked recently about, you know, in his time there in Philadelphia, he came in, his mechanics were all messed up, his release point where his elbow was. I mean, they had to totally break him down and rebuild him into some sort of a competent shooter. Now, he's always been – a great athlete. Yes, he did blow out a knee. We all know at Kentucky, and that that set him back and set the Sixers back. He's a premier athlete, a big time athlete. I like what Don Nelson said uh, about him. He's kind of a Tyson Chandler starters kid, I think. Yeah. And uh, that pretty well, you know, sums him up. He's going to be an elite athlete as long as his legs and knees hold up. And you know, skill wise, you know, he's not going to be a real threat, but he's going to be a shot blocker. Uh, he'll be active. Uh, he'll get out and run. He'll be a, a good defender for you, and he works hard. Brett Brown spoke very highly about how hard a worker he was, and there were a lot of people who thought that, you know, what, Boston might try to get him or some other teams. But I think from the standpoint of Dallas, uh, when you got a guy like Harrison Barnes, you want to obviously get to, a, you know, age trajectory kind of in his area, not Dirk's area. Yeah. And you got you get you bring a guy in like Nerlens Noel. Why not? Because the the price tag was was very very affordable. You know, uh, and I I wrote this column the other day about the situation. You know, if you go back over the Mavericks history, he, he has the potential to zoom right to the top of the Mavericks centers, which is not saying a lot, probably. Uh, you know, we've we've seen here if you want to count Roy Tarpley as a center, and and uh, and then of course uh, Tyson Chandler, uh, and I and I think yeah. anybody here. 
it, you know, because of the comparisons to, to uh, from Noel to Tyson Chandler, would take that. If you're getting yeah. a young well, Tyson Chandler, then everybody yeah. would take that. Well, don't forget, you know, when they went to the conference finals way, way back when I was writing on the beat uh, in 88, James Donaldson was a very key part of that team in terms of he was a seven-footer. He was a, you know, they didn't call him rim protectors back then, but James was seven feet. And uh, he used to play, you know, this was a massive front line at times when they put Jim, James up there with uh, Roy Tarpley and Sam Perkins. That's the way teams used to do it back then. There wasn't this small ball with little guys running around. And James had a pretty good impact for the Mavericks, especially early. I think he had some injuries later. But they got him in a steal with the Clippers. So, you know what, if you're ranking all-time centers, I guess you got to have to go, you know, Chandler was with the uh, championship team of 11 and then, Obviously, Tarpley's more of a power forward, did spend some time at center. Even Sam Perkins spent a little bit of time at center, and then, you know, James Donaldson. But, no, this is not a team that's had um, Wilt and Kareem and Shaquille O'Neal, not no. by a long shot. No, it hasn't. So, uh, then, uh, I guess the question I have to ask then is, you know, because Philadelphia's got a glut of guys. they, they got Joel Embiid, yeah. who is uh, really looks like a monster when he's healthy, um, and which he never is. But when he, when he is healthy, he's, he's, he's really tremendous. And then they got Jaleel Okafor, who is is ter- tremendous offensively. But boy, he, he gives up uh, uh, the the plus minus with him is 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 terrible. Uh, so, I guess that my, my question is, if the Mavericks were able to get him for for no more than it cost them, why didn't somebody else do this deal? Yeah, good question. Good question. I, and like I said, I think you know Boston had some interest, although. Boston had more interest, you know, in Okafor, too. You know, it's one of these things. Somebody's going to have to pay uh, pay uh, New Orleans Noel pretty, pretty soon. I think, what is he, restricted free agent yeah, coming up? Yeah, he is. And I think that's going to scare some teams off because in this day and age where you want to have five shooters on the floor because it's all predicated on offense these days, um, it's, you know, it's kind of going to be tough. How much are you going to pay a non-scoring athletic big who's got some, you know, injury stuff in his past? Um, I think for a team like Philadelphia, they didn't want to pay it, and I think other teams were probably scared off too. I think it's just part and parcel of where we are in today's game that if you're not shooting the ball, you know, like New York has Porzingis, and, you know, there's Carl Anthony Towns, you get some of these younger bigs who have real skills, you'll pay those guys because, Kevin, you know, it's no longer all about slowing down and stopping people. It's all about how can we outscore other teams in this day and age of stretch fours and big-time fives who can step outside and score. So I think that's why teams shied away from Noel. They just don't want to pay him. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. Uh, but but I, I will say this. I think that uh, it, it certainly was a, a leg up on, on next year if they if they can keep him, which I, I think they're they're pretty intent on doing that. And, and you know, Dan Fagan is his agent, and, uh, and Cuban has a pretty good relationship with him, yes. although it didn't exactly work out with DeAndre Jordan. Uh, but I, I do think there's some possibilities. Where, you know, and, and so you got to ask, too, the, for just the reason that you just said, the Mavericks were pretty enamored with DeAndre Jordan, who's certainly no offensive uh, uh, impact in a game. Right. And so now they're taking on Noel. What is it about the Mavericks that makes them different in, in, the, in their thinking about, the, about centers? About that stuff? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, you know what? There still are teams that value, you know, rim protection that don't, you know. I mean, Golden State wants to play. Uh, you know, they want to defend. They've got Kevin Durant now as their, their prime paint defender, their guy. They've got JaVale McGee. I think, you know, Houston tried to get Bogut. I don't know if they're still going to be able to get him. I think teams still want to have a guy back there. And, you know, we still, you know, if you look around the league, 
there are a lot of young, good centers who are coming up. I think, um, you know, I don't know if it's a particular thing in Rick Carlisle's case or whatever. It's hard to find, you know, it's like, can the Mavericks, did they ever get a shot to get a Carl Anthony Towns? You really don't. Teams, if, if you're a, a, a big-time center and you've got offensive skills for today's games, meaning you can score inside and out, maybe put the ball on the floor like Porzingis and shoot threes, you're going to go way, way up in the draft. So Dallas, one of the reasons Dallas hasn't been drafting so high, so you're not going to be able to get guys like that. And then you could also figure, you know what, if I've got four other guys on the floor who can score and I've got some, you know, Harrison Barnes and I can find a big-time, maybe a big-time playmaker, a big-time point guard off this draft and other players, yeah, you can get away maybe with uh, a Nerlens Noel, but you know a lot of teams are viewing this day and age where you got to have five guys on the floor who are a threat to score. Of course, that's a, that, how the point guard has changed too, because that those are guys they're no longer oh, the, yeah. the the pass first guys. And then, you know, you got to have a point guard who can score. So we talked about that the last time, and then you, you talked about how Markel Fultz is going to be the first pick of the draft, which I think that's what everybody is saying yeah. these days. So let's say that the uh, um, the Mavericks uh, don't screw this up and they make the lottery. Uh, yeah. uh, so. Uh, where that shakes out, uh, there are several good point guards are uh, in the draft. There's nobody. Everybody seems to think that you have two really a chance for two superstars in Markel Fultz and Lonzo Ball, both of them point right. guards. Uh, and then everybody else is uh, has to be pretty good, not not as good as that. Uh, is, is that the way that you you you're seeing it? Yeah, that's the way I've talked to some scouts about it. Um, uh, you know, Fultz and Ball, I don't know how many people, like here, people don't get to see Fultz and Ball a lot when they're playing, you know, 10-30 starts. Um, but we, I did watch uh, Ball. I've watched Fultz. We're going to see him. Well, we're going to see Ball in the NCAA tournament. Amazingly, Fultz is maybe the best player in the country, and like Ben Simmons, he's not getting his team to the tournament. Right. Uh, which is a head-scratcher, right? But, you know, Fultz is this combination guard who's a big-time athlete, I think he's around 6'4". Uh, the scouts I talked to who watched him play, and there were 21 scouts in Seattle a couple of Saturdays ago for a late-night game East Coast time. 21. When, when the, they went head-to-head. And, of course, UCLA won by about 40. And uh, people love Fultz, but a lot of people think Ball is the guy because he's a guy, when you look at UCLA and what he has done this year for their offense, for Steve Alford's offense, the former Maverick Steve Alford, Yes. Say. Um, he makes guys better. He makes guys better on the college level. But everybody is talking about him as being, you know, he's 6'5", 6'6", maybe 6'5", I guess. He's, like, considered now the next Jason Kidd because he really sees the floor great and passes and sets people up, and he's all he's, he's pass first, shoot second. I mean, that's amazing for a point guard in this day and age. So there are a lot of people who think Ball will be the number one player taken. We'll see. It's really those two guys. And then I think there's a kid in North Carolina State was Dennis Smith, yes, who a lot of people like, but he's a little undersized, which is fine. I mean, you know, look at Isaiah Thomas. He's real undersized, what he does for Boston. So this is a point guard rich draft. That's why the team that I see a lot, the Knicks, um, and they got to move on from Derrick Rose. He hasn't worked out, and they're going to be in the lottery, and if somehow they can sneak into a, you know, a top three, four pick, they're going to come away with a guy who – um, you know, should be an outstanding player for them because, you know, it's the, the, the point guard uh, position now, Kevin, as you know, it is the most important position now in basketball. I mean, it's changed. It used to be, a, used to be you know, you go back to the years of, 
of Patrick Ewing and David Robinson and then Duncan and Shaquille O'Neal and Alonzo Mourning and on and on. It was a center league. And now you still have some real good centers, don't get me wrong, but the way the game is played and changed and everything is pick and roll, you have to have a big-time playmaker, and they got to do two things. they got to shoot it great, and they got to make their players around them better. Those are the signs of the greatest. So we'll see if Fultz or Ball could do that. We'll see if the Mavericks can lose enough games. You know, the Lakers are going to be tanking now. Phoenix should be tanking, although they have point guards. You know, this is the type of draft where you want to be in prime position to get Fultz or Ball just because of the way the game is played. Did Was was Phil Jackson tanking when he put this team together? Because he's gotten rid of all the, the, the guys, or at least he's trying to get rid of all the guys that he brought in in the offseason, isn't yeah. he? No, no, he wasn't. He was putting together a playoff team because, you know, the Knicks haven't made the playoffs for three years. And the only reason you sign a Derrick Rose, who's on the last year of his deal, the only reason that you bring in Joe Kim Noah, you gave him a four-year, $72 million deal. And the only reason you don't shove, you know, try to get Carmelo Anthony out the door, it's hard because he has a no-trade clause. But they wanted to get back in the playoffs. And people say, well, what's, you know, if you make eighth place, maybe that team can win 40 games. What's the difference? You've got to remember, it's a big deal in New York still make the playoffs, even if you're going to get swept by Cleveland, even if you're going to get your brains beaten out. It's a big deal. Why? The Garden makes a lot of money. They're number one team valued by Forbes, but James Dolan still likes to have home playoff games. That's when you really make extra money. You make, you really cash in, and it's a thing for corporate sponsors, too. It's easier to sell corporate sponsors on, hey, come in. You know, we're going to have you. You're going to you're going to invest in us. We're going to have you here at the Garden because we're now a playoff team. And there's all kinds of spinoffs and stuff. And for the hardcore Nick fans, the tried and true people who go back to the '70s and the last time they won a title, you know, the first round doesn't mean anything. But it's still a big deal for the team. It'd be a huge deal for Phil Jackson. And obviously, by now, them you know sending people, you know, the Noah's going to have surgery and Brandon Jennings was released. He'll probably end up somewhere else with a playoff team. No, this is a signal and a sign that the Knicks have. Uh, Cash, they've, they've given up on the season, but what they have to do is they have to really do it the right way. They have to have now Carmelo Anthony sit out some road games. They have to have Derrick Rose sit out games here and there and basically lose as much as they can. Which is what has to happen here, in which uh, Mark Cuban is now uh, kind of openly talking about it, which, you know, he was always a guy who was never going to tank. Oh, we, we, we don't do that. And everybody talked about how Mark couldn't possibly bear to do it. Uh, and now he's saying, that's well, that's why we, we traded uh, Bogut and, and Anderson, not only to get New Orleans Noel, and that's why we, re, re, we released Darren Williams was because yeah we we need to we need to get these young guys but we need to be losing games and this but this is the way to go isn't it? Have to, have to. The worst place you can be in the NBA is mediocre. You know, a forty to forty-five win team where you're finishing in you know anywhere six, seven, eight. That's not doing you any good. You got to be really bad to get really good again and to rebuild through the draft. I think people realize that it's harder now with the rules of the collective bargaining to get a uh, Russell Westbrook to leave Oklahoma City when Oklahoma City can pay him much more than you can give him. I mean, you know, the, the deal now, I think it used to be the, 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 the home team, as they called it, the team where the player was the free agent, could give him $30 million more over the life of the contract. I think that's going up to $70 million in some cases. So that basically is going to block a lot of teams from getting free agents. Even Magic Johnson has talked about how difficult it's going to be even for the Lakers he's taken over to attract the big-time free agent because of the disparity in the salaries. So what you have to do is you have to lose when you can, uh, tank, or as it's called, you know, more palatably, losing with a purpose. And then what you do is hopefully you have the luck in the lottery where you get a top-10 
top pick, and you add some key pieces that way. And it also puts pressure on your front office to do more European scouting, you know, to be more like the Spurs and find those hidden gems, whether it's in Italy or Spain or in South America and Argentina. Uh, because it looks like, you know what, this CBA is uh, they're trying to make it uh, easier for the small market teams, Kevin, to keep their big talent and not have all these guys leave for the, for the bigger market. So, yeah, you want, to, you want to build the right way through the draft if you can. And, and hopefully there are, you know, when it's your time to pick, there are going to be difference makers. That's the hard thing. If, if you're in a situation where you're in a lottery, but, you know what, you're just getting a run-of-the-mill player, that's not going to do you much good. No, it's not. And, and of course, that's what everybody says is that this draft, uh, not real top-heavy, uh, got a couple of really good players there in Ball and Fultz. But a lot of good players, you know, guys who can be serviceable guys, guys who can make a difference, and other guys will be playing the NBA for a long time. So let's say that this works out, the Mavericks make the lottery, uh, and let's say they, they, they get one of these guys. Um, uh, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to they're gonna draft a point guard. Uh, that's where I think they're short. I think Yogi right. Ferrell has done a nice job, and I think he's certainly a nice rotational piece. He looks like uh, a J.J. Barea starter kid, as long as we're talking mm-hmm. about starter kids to me. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's terrific. Uh, and that's a, that's a good move for them. They're, they're getting young guys who are contributing who don't cost them a lot of money. This helps them with a the cap. It's all very good. Uh, so they, they, if they get that, and, they, and if Dirk comes back, which I expect he will for his final year uh, next year, uh, his 20th year with the Mavericks, how much closer with Noel did, or how much more did they speed up their recovery process here by adding him and if they get a lottery pick this year as well? Hmm. Well, interesting question. I mean, Noel's not going to be, if you project it out, is he even going to be the third star on a championship-level team? I don't know about that. He doesn't right. have the offensive skills to be that. He'll probably be a piece, you know, going forward. But you're still, I mean, first of all, you've got to be really sold on Harrison Barnes. I know the Mavericks are. A lot of people aren't still. Uh, they want to see really what he can do um, as the number one option, especially when Nowitzki is gone. Um, and then, you know, depending on where you're drafting, this is a big question mark because once, full, once uh, Markel Fultz and, and uh, Lonzo Ball are off the, char- are off, uh, the, uh, the available drafts, draft chart, then I don't know, you know, other than, you know, the other guys, they're, yeah, they're talking about these guys, Dennis Smith and these others, being real solid players, but nobody's talking about real difference makers at this right. point. Right. So, for the Mavericks standpoint, yeah, I don't, I don't know how, you know, I think you're still going to have to lose um, for the next year or two somehow to find yourself uh, players. And, and, you know, maybe you can score a free agent here or there. Um, you know, it's interesting um, – and this year coming up, the free agents see a lot of point guards. Now, could Dallas decide, you know, we got to make a run of the point guard? They, they've been going after free agents, not with a lot of success, as you know. Uh, whether it was DeAndre Jordan or this past summer, uh, I think they were looking at Mike Conley, and of course Mike Conley Jr. in Memphis stayed. Um, but you've got George Hill, who's a free agent, but he's not in the same age trajectory as some of these, you know, their younger players now. Um, I stay away from Derrick Rose. I'm trying to think, you know, Steph Curry is free. He's not leaving Golden State. So this is going to be – I think tough. Chris Paul's going to be a free agent, isn't he? Yeah, and, you know, Chris Paul, you know, you don't want him because he's definitely not in the same age trajectory. But he's just hurt all the time, too. Barnes. So yeah. um, you'd have to find a younger point guard who's an up-and-coming guy. Uh, so I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a tough thing for uh, – 
Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson and all those guys to figure out. I don't, you know, I, it, it just seems to me, looking at this group of guys, that they, they're obviously, you know, there's nothing worse than being uh, old and bad, and and that's what they were before this uh, deal was made. It was They were, the uh, I think, the fifth oldest team in the yeah. league. The four teams that were older than them were all playoff teams and, and all of them very good teams. Uh, and, and so – so they're going in the right direction by going young, but I, but I'm like you. I think I think Harrison Barnes has been much better than what anybody thought he was going to be. I mean, much better. I mean, after I was at the Olympics, I asked Mike Shashevsky the question. You know, is he just uh, is he is he a victim of the numbers game? And that was a that was a, a press conference ender. You know, uh, mm. he didn't coach K didn't want to talk about that. So right. so anyway, but he, you know, he just didn't look like it looked like a terrible contract. Uh, yeah. When they gave it to him, and then he comes in and he plays very well, and he is much better than Chandler Parsons was. That's essentially the trade they were making was getting rid of, yes. letting Chandler Parsons go, and 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 taking him instead with the same, basically the same contract. I would much rather have Harrison Barnes than Chandler Parsons. Um, very hard work and all of that, but I don't know that you know, uh, as you said, I, I don't know that he is uh, your number one. Uh, I, I just don't. I don't really see that. And and you know what? And you know they signed Wesley Matthews a couple of years ago. He's played very well this year and kind of returned to what they thought he was going to be. But certainly he's not that either. So you what you're looking at it seems to me is a, a lot of nice pieces here, very solid pieces, but it's still lacking that uh, that star power. And, right. and and maybe that develops and maybe they get something out of that in the, in this draft if they were lucky enough to get to the very top of it. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that, I, you know, Mark Cuban has talked recently about the fact that uh, it's just really hard to get those free agents, which he knows and he's tried and it just hasn't happened. Uh, and I don't really blame him for that. You know, no one wanted to come here and match up with an aging superstar. Uh, and they were very fortunate to get Dirk and to hold on to him all these years. Uh, but he has clearly yeah. shown this year that he is at the end. Um, and, uh, you know, there was, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not so sure that it wouldn't have been better for the Mavericks, uh, had he not come back, you know, that they really yeah. would have gone, they really would have tanked and gone to the, you know, the, their, their chances of the lottery would have improved tremendously. And then you could really could, could see what you're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Look, the Matt, you know, he'll have a statue one day. You would think, um, the only Maverick to have that, I would, I would think. So we know the caliber of player he's been now to get the next guy is going to be really, really hard. I mean, how many teams are in the same boat as the Mavericks when it comes to trying to find these franchise-changing, league-changing players, the LeBrons, the guys like that, Durant's maybe, Steph Curry's. You know, this, this is a hard, hard thing. This is, these guys, you know, there are only a couple of them. If you get a Kobe Bryant or Tim Duncan – you know what, you ride those guys as long as you can, and then when it comes time to replace them, I know San Antonio talks about Kawhi Leonard and Magic Johnson is now looking for his guy because he's got three young players. It doesn't look like anybody's going to be as good as uh, Kobe nearly. So this is a uh, Dallas is in the same boat as the Knicks and all these other teams. That's why Philadelphia got a little taste of Embiid before this latest injury, and you look and you say, that could be a guy like that, or Carl Anthony Towns could be a guy like that for those franchises but how many of those guys are around and how do you get them that's the big question facing all these teams let me ask you about magic johnson you you brought his name yeah. up that were you surprised by that move that he's out there he's he's taken over now the lakers no i wasn't surprised like everybody else i was not surprised he took over 
I was surprised by the timing. When he became an advisor, what, about a month ago to Jeannie Buss, and you knew that Magic Johnson was going to inevitably replace Jeannie Buss's brother, Jim Buss, and be calling the shots for the Lakers. And Magic didn't make much of a secret of it when he was talking about, you know, there's got to be one voice and I'm going to be the voice. And he was already talking about changing the landscape for the Lakers before he got the, the title. Uh, we were surprised, a lot of people, and I'm included, I was surprised that he fired Mitch Kupchak. I was surprised that he hired an agent, Rob Palenka, who's Kobe Bryant's agent, to run his team as the GM. Uh, that's kind of a way, way out-of-the-box deal. Now, people look at Golden State and say, well, Bob Myers was an agent, and that's true. Uh, but Bob Myers worked in Golden State's front office for a full calendar year after being an agent, came in, worked as an assistant GM for a full year to learn the inner workings of a front office, and then that he was promoted to be the GM, and he's been a successful one. Now, he didn't draft Clay Thompson or Steph Curry, but he did draft Draymond Green. He was high, you know, very much involved with the Kevin Durant. He's done a hell of a job for Golden State. What can Palinka do? I don't know. So it was interesting Magic went that way, and now what Magic is faced with is, you know, finding the next Magic Johnson, which you're not going to do, but finding the player who could, you know, Magic has said, we've got to get back to what we were. This franchise always competes for titles. We're always in the championship hunt. Well, D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram are the three guys he's looking at right now. And I'll tell you what, Kevin, I don't think there's a difference maker in terms of being a great player that the Lakers are accustomed to among the three. I mean, you know, you would say to me, whoa, 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 whoa. Brandon Ingram's only a 19-year-old and a rookie. Go back and look at Kevin Durant's rookie year when he was 19 with a bad Seattle team. He averaged 20 points. Right. Brandon Ingram's not close. You know what happens? Except for the Kawhi Leonard's, who's a real outlier in this discussion, and maybe a Dirk Nowitzki, and guys who were drafted, you know, after the top nine. I mean, Nowitzki was a, what, a 10 pick or whatever, 9 10 pick. I think that's right. Paul yeah. Pierce was in there. Right. And Kawhi Leonard's a 15. For the most part, if you're drafting in the top three, you pretty much know in year one what the guy's like. I mean, there's no, I mean, when you saw Kevin Durant in Seattle coming out of Texas after one year, you said, you know what, this guy's going to be a big time scorer. I look at Brandon Ingram and I go, wow, this guy looks like, halftime looks like he's scared to death out there. So I can already assume, and I assume Magic already knows this too, you know what, I might have an all-star out of one of these guys. I'm not going to have an all-NBA player. I'm not going to have an MVP candidate. And that means Magic Johnson is also a lot, you know, like we talk about. How is he going to get the next great player? Who's it going to be? How's he going to get that? Because... Those three guys he has, and they're all drafted in the top seven. You know, you look at D'Angelo Russell. Point guard's got to shoot it good and make guys around him better, and he doesn't do either. Julius Randle, he ain't got a right hand. He's all left-handed. Brandon Ingram, he's, he could slip through the crack of a door, and you know what? He just doesn't have the temperament. He doesn't. All those guys Magic looking at, I'm telling you, he's got to be thinking, you know what? This isn't good enough. I got to win a title. This is what we got to do in the Lakers. I got to find somebody else who can do that. How he's going to get the next Durant, the next Steph Curry, the next LeBron James, you know, the next Kobe Bryant? It's a big, big question for Magic Johnson. Can he do it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know what? All the Laker fans are pumped up and this and that, but that's the question. That's the issue he faces, and it's going to be the hard. That's the challenge for him. Well, he's up to it. I'm sure he's had some. He's had some pretty good challenges in his life, uh, and he's uh, and he's beat them so far. So that's, uh, that's yes, a, he has. It's been a pretty yes, good day. So we'll see how he does. But it's great for the Lakers. It's great for the fans. And it's you know it's fun for the league to have Jordan involved and Magic and Larry Bird and these guys who 
you know, make the transition from being the icons on the floor into running teams and stuff. It's great to have them around because it's a lot to talk about. Mitch Lawrence, it's great to have you around. We appreciate you coming on, talking to us. When's your next story in Forbes coming out? Uh, Forbes, I don't know. Sporting News, I wrote about Magic and this whole question about whether he can get the job done. In Sporting News, they're supposed to be publishing it in the next day or two. So I'll send up a flare so everybody <laughs> will know that it's out there. Very good. We need to see those more often. We appreciate that. Mitch, great having you on as always. We appreciate you taking the time. Hope to do it again soon. Great, Kevin. Thanks for having me. You bet. There goes Mitch Lawrence, one of our one of our favorites, uh, a, a sports day alum, goes way back here, uh, as as do everybody, as as does everybody who's supposed to be on this podcast with me, but they're not here. So we are we've had uh, Brandon George on to talk about the Cowboys. Uh, we have uh, had Mitch Lawrence on to talk about the Mavericks and Nerlens Noel and where the Mavericks go from here. And uh, next, we're going to talk to our old pal, Evan Grant, out at spring training. Uh, he's out there soaking up the Rays and the Rangers. And uh, we'll be there with him in just a minute. So until then, goodbye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.